On any given day, we have the chance to learn new things, connect with new people, and expand our horizon. And sometimes we just have to talk about it all. In this interview series, you'll hear from some truly remarkable individuals, and each of them will share with us their humor, their wisdom, and their life skills. I am Inger Kenobi, and this is Wild Awake, the podcast, season one. All right, let's play a game. I'm going to say some words, and you'll notice the first thing that comes to mind. Ready? Finance, wealth, rich people, money. When we say something to ourselves over and over and over again, it becomes our mantra. That's Karen Bersensky, an LA-based life coach and pro-EFT tapping coach. She's here to talk about money and money mindset, the hidden beliefs that can just throw a monkey wrench into our decisions, plans, and actions. Like when your boss offers you a raise, but you politely decline, or there's a job you're super excited about, but you never get around to applying for it. What is up with that? In this episode, Karen shares some simple ways you can shift your thinking and step into a more abundant reality right here and now. And she'll reveal how she went from thinking, I should just be happy with what I have, which in her case was a coffin-sized apartment and clip-in coupons, to saying yes to everything life has to offer. She'll also explain the benefits of EFT and why you should always use the biggest bathroom stall. Karen, welcome to this show. I am so happy to have you here all the way from LA. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to talk about abundance. And I feel like you're such an expert on not just get rich fast, but like how to introduce and invite and receive more, you know, abundance and wealth right here and now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan of like zero to six figures or seven figures. I am really a fan of the, the gradual kind of expansion over time so that you're, you don't freak yourself out essentially. And you don't sabotage because if we go too far too fast, we have a tendency to sabotage. You run this Money Mindset Reboot Challenge. So what are some of the things that people freak themselves out about money? What are some beliefs that are kind of standing in the way for them? Oh, gosh, there's so many. <laughs> As we <laughs> know. We start? I mean, there's endless um, money beliefs that can keep us from, from what we want. Um, a big one that I hear a lot um, is, I don't have enough. Just like saying over and over and over again, I don't have enough, I don't have enough, I don't have enough. And that when we say something to ourselves over and over and over again, it becomes our mantra and it becomes a prayer. But other money blocks, I mean, where's the money gonna come from? I don't know how to make it. I'm not good with money. I don't know how to manage it. I wasn't taught things about money growing up. Um, there's there's just endless beliefs around what what we can accomplish with money what we can what really is possible for us with money how we manage money um and all of the excuses that we use around money to keep money from coming in and to keep ourselves in a place where we're using an excuse to not look at it and to just stay in the financial fog and i see that a lot too where it's like people don't know their numbers people are afraid to look at their bank statements they're afraid to look at 
um, you know, how much they're bringing in and how much debt they have and how much they want to make. And they're, they just don't want to put those numbers down because it feels scary and it feels edgy. And then all the, the feelings around like, oh, the, you know, if there's guilt around past purchases or sadness or disappointment around something that happened that put them in that situation. So all of that can come up too. That's really super uncomfortable to, to, to feel. So sometimes it just feels easier to, to stay in the dark rather than to, to look at the numbers, to really figure out where you want to go and to really deal with all of the emotions that are going to come up around that because there is you know, stuff that's going to come up around our money. It's a really charged, very intimate topic. Because you mostly work with entrepreneurs, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Women too. For me, for instance, when I had a, a so-called regular job and got my paycheck, I didn't really have to think about some money so much, like because someone else decided my worth and this is what I got and I could ask for a raise. But mm -hmm. beyond that, it was sort of out of my control. But I think even even if you're not an entrepreneur, like, but entrepreneurs are up against this thing of like, Ooh, what can I charge? What should I charge? What is my relationship with money? And it suddenly mm -hmm. boils to the surface, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I see charging as a, as a thing that comes up too. being afraid to charge people money for their services, feeling like they're taking something from someone that they shouldn't be taking. Many of the women I work with are spiritual, very spiritual, you know, entrepreneurs or conscious people. They want to do the right thing. Um, so when they put a, a dollar value on their services or their products, it feels weird it feels awkward and then to like actually say that out loud to someone else who especially if they're working with someone who they think is like in a bind or like is mm -hmm. you know they know their financial picture they know that they have three kids they know that they're trying to make ends you know so it's all of that kind of stuff that comes up what i love is really helping women see their value because it's never just like you're just like taking money from someone and like you know that would be stealing yeah exactly <laughs> like it's just an energy exchange all you're doing is like exchanging value for value they're giving you dollars and you're giving them something in return for those dollars so it's actually an equal exchange like if you're providing a coaching service like one of the women in my group it's a perfect example she's a legal coach for coaches and she was afraid to charge um, the amount, you know, I think it was like a thousand dollars or 1200 bucks or something for a package. When, after we worked through this and tapped on it, you know, she realized that like, you know, $1,200 was actually a bargain because what she was bringing to the table was, was undergrad, was graduate school, was law school, was <laughs> all of her combined life experience and professional experience. So when, when she thought about it like that, she's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much value I was coming to the table with. And just to jump over to like money in the bank, I also find that with people I've worked with, it's often people, people can be mm -hmm. extremely rich and extremely nervous around money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What I saw for myself when I started making more money, and this has been true at like every level of wealth that I've gotten to thus far, where it's like, oh, I start to make more money. And then all of a sudden my, my lifestyle expands just a little bit right and so we're always in the same place of like i don't have quite enough or it's like it's it feels tight on some level ah uh, we're always playing catch up with our mindset yeah. yeah we need to be we need to kind of keep ourselves in check in that way um and if you don't feel worthy of the money that's coming to you 
um, you will find a way to get rid of it. Something will happen and you will get yourself back down to where you started. And this is, I talk about this in what I teach, you know, I, ca I call it your abundance thermostat. And we all have like a, a, a set point for how much wealth uh, that we feel comfortable with. And if we go too far beyond that set point, that's where our brains start to freak out. And we say, oh my gosh, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth, you know, all of this money, all of this goodness because it has exceeded our internal set point. And if we're not aware of that, like there's tools that we can use to you know, help ourselves expand like tapping. Um, but if we're not aware of that, it's very easy to sabotage ourselves, throw in a monkey wrench, spend all that money, all of a sudden think we need a new car, or we need to go back to school or we need to, you know, or again, we get sick or get in an accident, something happens um, that seems like it's out of our control, but it's like, no, you're, you're actually just moving so far out of your comfort zone and you don't feel worthy. There is a potential worthiness, you know, issue in there. I call that like your 71 degrees. Like we're always living in that set point of 71 degrees. And if we go too far outside of that in either direction, whether yeah. that's too much or not enough, we'll always find a way to get back to that 71 degrees. And if you've been like making the same amount of money for however many years, like that's a good thing to, to check in on. Like what is my money set point and, and why, why can't I shift it? And we think, so here's another money belief. I have to work hard for the money. Yeah. Right. So if we get a raise and we're doing the exact same job that we did before, it's like, wait, I'm making $20,000 or $50,000 more or however much money more than I was doing the same amount of work. That doesn't seem right. Like my parents had to work hard for the money. Like I come from a family and this is a lot too. Like a lot of our money stuff is tied back to our, our family stuff, our family of origin stuff. And it's like, well, if I come from a family who works hard for the money and, you know, works for every dime and like all of a sudden I'm sitting here in this cushy job and then I get a raise on top of my cushy job, <laughs> you know, that's really uncomfortable. And so, yeah, you might say like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Or you might accept it and then like start working like, you know, from, from dark to dark, from, you know, when you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed at night, because you feel like that's what you need to do in order to deserve that money rather than just feeling like I just deserve this money because I am period. And I've done a great job. And can I just, and like, if it feels uncomfortable, can I let it just be uncomfortable and just <sighs> sit with that for a moment? before I make any hardcore decisions, you know, about sending the money back, you know, do, doing something stupid with the money or, you know, or whatever. You've said the word tapping a few times in case someone doesn't know what that is. We'll get to that in a second, because the way I came across EFT or tapping was exactly that. I felt so uncomfortable getting up to a new level. And this is, this wasn't even from regular job to millionaire. I had worked as a volunteer for 10 mm -hmm. years. And I went straight to a pretty well-paid job at a big oil company. Uh -huh. And the idea of getting paid, period, uh -huh. freaked me out to the point yep. where I could barely get up in the morning. Yep. And so I tapped on it. I did like a friend who was very well familiar with EFT and we tapped. Mm -hmm. So if this sounds like gobbledygook to people, will you please uh -huh. explain what this is and what it does? Yeah. So tapping is, is, a, is, an, is a tool to move the energy in the body, essentially. But it's a combination of ancient Chinese acupressure and modern psychology. So we're actually tapping on the same meridian points on the body that they use in acupressure and acupuncture. But rather than needles, we're actually using a light tapping sensation on those points. So you're just tapping on your body um, yourself. With your fingers, well, no needles. With your fingers, no needles, which is the, the best part <laughs> about this. And this is like, you know, 
it's cool because you, you, you know, you, you can do this on your own. Like once you learn the basics, you can do it on your own. Um, and we're saying very specific words and phrases related to the issue at hand while we're tapping on these meridian endpoints. And what it does essentially is it helps to bring the hidden programming, whether that's hidden wealth programming, or hidden sabotage programming, hidden program, programming about how worthy we feel, what we think is possible for us, all of that stuff that kind of hides out in, in what we call, in what I do, the swampy area of your brain. It's like, it's basically like in the back where we can't see it. Yeah. We, I de while we're tapping, the, that stuff comes to the surface. So it comes from the back into the front where we can see it. And it's like, oh my God, I had no idea I had this wealth programming going on that said, I have to work hard for the money. And this is how it's manifesting. I'm offered a raise and I send it back. What the <laughs> is going on? You know? So it's like, until we have conscious awareness around what those beliefs are, those beliefs are going to keep running our lives. And we're going to keep, we're going to stay at that, that set point where we are programmed, whether that's programming from our childhood or programming from the media or programming from, you know, our social circles, whatever, but we're going to keep running that pattern until we bring that hidden programming from the back to the front. And because we're working with the body's energy system, there's something about it that just helps to bring these beliefs to the surface. Um, and what it does on a physiological level is tapping actually sends a calming signal to the amygdala in our brain, which is the fight or flight center. So anytime that we think that we're in danger, whether that fear is or that danger is real or imagined in our mind, um, the amygdala is the alarm center that goes off when our brain feels under threat in any way. And when we're tapping through these points on the body and we're working on these issues, there's a calming signal that is sent to the brain and it tells the fight or flight center that it's okay to turn off. It's okay to relax. It's okay to feel safe in this moment, to feel safe in your body, no matter what's going on. And um, that when we're in that state after we're tapping, like that gives us access to our resources, to our creativity, to our better judgment, to our intuition. Whereas when our, if our amygdala is firing, like we don't have access to any of those things. And we're in what I call freaked out brain, you know, yeah. where we're, we're trying, we're grabbing for the answers rather than letting the answers come from within. We feel frazzled and all over the place. We don't know which choice to make. We, we're confused. We're, you know, seeking answers outside of ourselves. And there's like that panicked, rushed feeling. And it's, um, it's, it's really wonderful after just a couple of rounds of tapping on your body, which doesn't take very long at all. So you can, you can feel on a physical level, like you can feel your body just start to calm down and relax. And then you can see with more clarity how those beliefs had been taking over your life and how you had been sabotaging unknowingly because those beliefs were in your programming. Um, and if you have judgments around um, wealth or wealthy people or expensive things, you will never let yourself have them. But at the same time, though, people do want them. Exactly. And that's where the internal conflict is. So it's like part of our brains is like, yeah, I want that. So consciously we'll say, yes, I want that. I welcome those things. I absolutely think that I'm worthy of those things. And then there's another part of our brain that's like, mm -mm, nope, nope, nope. First of all, you have to work hard for the money. Second of all, rich people are evil. <laughs> Third of all, like that takes forever and you don't have what it takes. You don't have the right education. You don't come from the right family. And it's like, 
that's what you know, like there's something going on under the surface if you've been trying for a long time to move past your current circumstances, to make more money, to have, have a different quality of life, whatever that is for you, um, and you haven't been able to achieve it. That's when you know that there's a, there's a belief in there somewhere in your swampy area that's saying that's not safe for you because the underlying core thing is always like you're not going to be safe if you take that raise, you buy that house, you have that car, you do that job, you have those clients, whatever that thing is, like you're not going to be safe doing that. So we're going to hold you back. Um, and I, I think, I'm not sure if we've talked about this before, um, but it's like men have to be like 40% certain that they fit the qualifications for a job before they apply. And women have to be like 60 to 70%, like meet, to meet the, like the bullet points of like a, a specific job that they want. But, yeah. I mean, it's insane. The, the gap there where men are just like, yeah, I'll just go apply. Like, it doesn't matter that I am only like 20% qualified. Like I'll, I'll figure just, it out. I'll figure it out. And women are like, oh, I should probably go back to school rather than going for the thing that's like, that feels way far out that, but so exciting and so passion filled for them because it's so scary. Cause it's so scary. And the next thing that you yeah. know, the deadline is over and then you're back right. to like, oh, I don't have enough. Right. Right. And it is scary. And that's the thing too. Like there is fear around, you know, going for stuff that we really want. Like there's an, there's an edginess to that. And, you know, I think that we just need to get comfortable being on that edge because you're never going to get rid of all of the fear, right? There's always going to, again, especially as women, like we just have this, like, you know, we're always so worried about like, am I doing it right? Can I, am I really qualified for this? All that stuff that comes up, all those crazy beliefs and stories that we tell ourselves. And I think like for me, it's been a, a matter of just like being really comfortable in the uncomfortability of what I'm doing. And just knowing that like, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly pushing my edge and it always feels a little scary and a little uncomfortable. And the more we do it and the more we practice just pushing the edges little by little of our comfort zone, of our 71 degrees set point, right? Wherever that is, um, it becomes easier over time. And it really does um, start to feel more comfortable in the uncomfortableness. Your definition of courage is the willingness to move through fear. And your mm -hmm. motto is just keep going, which just is exactly what you just said. <laughs> just keep going. There is no secret. There is no seven step formula. There is no book that's going to tell you how to get to where you want to go. It is different for everyone. And nobody has a roadmap. Like everybody is just making shit up one step at a time and trying their best and figuring it out as they move along. Like all we do is we, we take a step, we get information. And then we use that information to, to make a more informed step the next time we step. And we just keep doing that over and over and over and over and over. And what I truly admire and love about that approach is, of course, again, it's not this, I'll be braver when I get the race. I'll be happier when this happens. Mm -hmm. It's not this all or nothing. It's more like, you know what, I'm in charge and I'm going to take mm -hmm. it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And take the risk to gain the confidence, not the other way around, you know? Um, I first heard this in, I think it was 2004, 2005 from Rhonda Britton, who runs the Fearless Living Institute, who was one of my first life coaches. And when she first said that, like my mind would just went, and I was like, what? What are you talking about? Like you wait for the confidence and then you take the action. It's like, no, no, actually you've got that backwards. You, you take the super uncomfortable, super scary action and then 
you feel more confident. That is not easy stuff. I mean, it is very challenging. And we just keep doing that over and over and over and over and over. Yeah, because it's not a one-time event. And I think this is the trap into thinking, again, it's like money's going to be like some kind of big event in the future, or I'm going to feel more abundant when, and it's a one-time event. But like with all of this, it's like, no, no, it's a bazillion steps along the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's steps are going to be different. You know, you just, you have to stay open to what the universe has for you, as well as like having a plan, you know? So it's that delicate balance of like serendipity and a, and a plan. I was just going to touch on that. EFT can sound like so extremely woo-woo, and yet mm-hmm. it also has this extremely practical place. And they kind of meet in the middle. And like totally. serendipity and plans seem mm-hmm. like they're contradictions. But right. so where do you bridge that gap? Um, I, don't, I don't know that I see that there's a gap per se. I think that like you do the best you can with like, hey, this is what I want universe like i'm going to write it down these are the steps um that i think i need to take to get there and you you know to the best of your ability you 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 take the steps on your plan and while you're taking those steps while you're taking action always just remember that like you know sometimes there's going to be something that happens where it's like oh i'm that's not on my plan i didn't write that part down but this person just contacted me and that sounds like an incredible opportunity um, and an incredible partnership so that I can, you know, reach more people or expand my audience or whatever, I'm going to say yes to that. And then you readjust your plan and that's it. And it's just like, you just, you just have to like gently stay open and not be so rigid with your thinking and with your idea of how you think things should go. And I say this so passionately because I have been like the master of like being so rigid with my thinking. <laughs> and here. That, like I had it all figured out or I had to have it all figured out before I started and having this like pathway of like, this is, I'll hit this step and then this step and then meet this person and that. And it's like, no, not exactly. I'm like, it might, but the chances of that happening are pretty slim. Like you just kind of like throw down what you think might happen or what, what steps you can take and then just keep staying open to the universe and to, to serendipity and to opportunities and stay open and like, just don't, don't have your tunnel vision, like be focused, but don't have complete and total utter tunnel vision. Right. Um, and you try to have some fun along the way and you laugh at yourself when you stumble and you just, you know, you stay open and try to keep it as, as fun and as light as possible. I'm so glad you said that because part of making it as fun and as light as possible has to do of course with bringing some of what you think the plan will fulfill into the present moment. So let's say, because we're talking about money and mindset and abundance here, like, so if it's a plan to like, oh, I want to make X amount of dollars or I want to have this kind of income. Mm-hmm. What do you say to like some of your clients um, of how, how are you able to bring some of that abundant mindset and, and practicing mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. in that abundance wealth uh, mm-hmm. beliefs right here and now? Oh, that's such a great question. I love that question. Well, we start with gratitude, right? We always start with gratitude. Um, Being grateful for for what we have right here and right now. Um, Noticing all of the lovely things around you. Stop complaining. Um, You know, if you're complaining about your life, about your bills, about your job, about your car, about, you know, your relation, stop complaining. Like put a lid on that right now um, and start to see where things are going right keep your focus on what's going right, even if it's just one or two things right now. Getting outside in nature 
is a great place to go um, to find some gratitude and to feel a sense of abundance um, if you don't currently feel abundant in your life. Nature is endlessly abundant. Go watch a sunset, go take a drive, go take a hike, take a walk around the block, um, notice the trees and the flowers. I mean, it sounds so cheesy, but it's like when you really like notice those things around you, it really does give you a sense of like, wow, I, I do actually live in, in a very, very, very abundant universe. Um, giving freely is another way to um, get your state, get yourself in a state of abundance. And that does not by any means have to, it doesn't necessarily mean giving away money. It can, if you want, like, if you want to like, one of the things that I started doing, for example, is like tipping people at coffee shops. Like I would just throw in a dollar or throw in my change in yes. the, in the jar. Whereas I never, never, never used to do it because I was like so scroogey with my money. Like I have such a saver personality. So my challenge is always spending money rather than bringing it in and saving it. Um, but also in the spirit of giving, um, like you could hold a door for someone, you could like someone's Facebook post, you could comment on their face. Like this is a really nice thing for entrepreneurs um, to go to someone else's Facebook business page and share one of the, their friends posts or someone that they mm. admire, like share that post with your people, go in and comment and, and be active and engaged in the conversations. That is a beautiful way um, to, to stay in the spirit of giving, write a Yelp review for your hairstylist or a business that you frequent, that you love or a local restaurant compliments. Compliments are huge. You see a lady in an elevator with awesome shoes, be like, girlfriend, those shoes are fierce. <laughs> Who knows? Like she might be like, oh my gosh. And like start a conversation with you. And it turns yeah. out like, you know, there's some synergy in what you do, or she has a resource for you, or you have a resource. You just don't know. Like what can happen when you start to kind of get into that flow of giving and receiving, giving and receiving. Ah, it's easy, sorry to interrupt. I see a huge correlation between how much people are willing to give with how much mm -hmm. they're willing to receive. Yep. Or maybe it's the other way around. It doesn't really matter, but they do go yep. hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. You can ask yourself how many compliments, how much love, how much money, how much goodness can I let myself receive? If I just imagine like a stream of all of those things coming my way, if I close my eyes and tune in and I imagine like all of the love, all of the compliments, all of the money, all of the things, like how much can I receive in my energetic system before it starts to feel icky, awkward, weird, strange. And I just like, I'm like, no, and you start to push it away. That's where we have to like recognize, right? Like, cause we've, we've all got a limit for good. And this, again, this goes back to our internal set point, our abundance thermostat, right? That's 71 degrees where it's like, if we're receiving more than we think we're worthy of, like we'll shut it off. We'll shut off that valve, we'll push it away. We'll not accept that compliment. We won't accept the raise. We won't accept the love. We won't accept the happiness. We won't accept the trip. We won't say yes to the thing. Other people need opportunities. Other people need money. Other people need love. I'm good. I'm good. I have enough. And I should just be happy with what I have. Big, big, big limiting belief. That is a big one. Before we continue on that vein, yeah. um, we're going to dip into your favorite TV program. This is us. I sometimes, if I'm really preoccupied about something like, oh, working on my money mindset or working on my abundance and working on my happiness mm -hmm. set point, like when I mm -hmm. watch something, 
I go like, oh, if only he had more like a higher happiness set point, or if she was just a better person to receive compliments. Like when you watch This Is Us, do you find yourself having those kinds of thoughts? Oh, totally. Oh, completely. Completely. And I think This Is Us is like, is such a, a prime example of that because we, we get to see their backstory. That's what so I thought. We, yes. yeah, we get to see like wh what the swamp it has been programmed with from their childhood and from their younger years and why they're behaving, why, you know, the way that they're behaving in the present day, which is fascinating. It's yeah. so cool. But what do you love about the program though? I love the relationship of the, the three siblings. I love the, the whole storyline. Um, I, I mean, I, I was hooked from, from the very first episode, but I love um, just watching the lives of these, you know, the, the, the main um, brothers and sister um, develop over time. And I I, I, the part that we just talked about, I love being able to see how they're behaving in their current day realities and then how that was affected by their past and how they grew up and, mm -hmm. and how that has influenced who they have become and the choices that they have made. I, I just, I mean, it's extraordinary. And not to mention like the brilliant acting and it makes me cry and <laughs> I've fallen in love with all of the characters and I basically want to live with them. So sign <laughs> when that you walk away with that. I do find myself noticing like, oh, she's behaving like that because this is what her mom told her when she was five. Right. And you start noticing those patterns. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And like with um, Justin Hartley's character, the, he's like the good looking brother. I forget his yes. name on the show. Um, but like with his alcoholism, you know, like you can see like the, how the addiction, um, you know, was fueled by the father's, oh, I don't want to like spoiler alert for anyone. Okay. Who's <laughs> spoiler from alert. His, like from his father's death and like everything that happened and all the trauma that they have, have been through and how that manifested for him. Like, it's really fascinating um, to, to see that. And they do such a beautiful job of, of showing like how someone can be affected, um, by addiction in that way. And, um, and the struggle that it, that it can be to, you know, to, to overcome it. So in back to you though, your reality, not fiction, <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the abundance mindset or limiting beliefs around money that you've overcome and what have you replaced them with? Oh my God. All of the ones we've talked about, I think I have had. <laughs> I, should just ha I should just be happy with what I have is definitely one. Um, That's such a big I, one. Like, can you explain a little bit more how that, how it affects our decisions, our opinions, what we go for, how we hold yeah, ourselves I mean, so and I should just be happy with what I have. If that's the case, then it's like, first of all, like I shouldn't want more. And if I want more then I'm, you know, I'm probably greedy, I'm materialistic. Um, and all of those things. And like, there's something about being like, you know, I was raised Catholic. So like being a good little Catholic girl who's just happy with what she has, who's nice and, and kind and small and doesn't make a ruckus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you want to make money and you want to like go out and do your thing and be authentic in the world, like you got to like stop caring what people think about you. You have to be unafraid to use your voice. You have to be unafraid to like hurt people, like not hurt people's feelings, but like you have to be, you have to know that like, people are going to have opinions about you and they're, you know, they're going to have feelings about it. And that's not your responsibility, um, to, to, you know, to fix their feelings. Yeah. Or um, safeguard against that. Or safeguard yeah. against them. Yes. Which I have done over and over and over. Um, 
so really like giving myself permission to be like fully, you know, I hate to use this buzzword, but like fully authentic and fully myself and like not, and like stop caring like so much what, what I think other people think or what I think other people want from me um, so that I can make them happy rather than just being myself and trusting that like they'll be happy or they won't. And that's not my problem. Um, what does it like, sound like now? If it used to sound like I should be just happy with what I have. Now it sounds like I am so thrilled beyond belief with what I have. I am so grateful. And when I look around at where I am now, I feel tremendous gratitude. And I think about where I was and where I am now, which is a huge, I mean, so I lived in an apartment in New York that was so small. This is like embarrassing. That was so small. It was like one of those quote unquote shoebox apartments. And like, that is not a lie. Like I could literally reach my hands up over my head and then like, like have my, you know, be all stretched out and like have my hands on one wall and my feet on the other. And I could literally, if I wanted to like climb up Whoa. my apartment, like spider woman, that's how narrow it was. And like now I live in this great apartment in LA, you know, I have like, I have a living room, I have a kitchen, I have a bath, like it's all these things that, that I works. never, it's amazing. Um, but it's like, you know, for me, like this, this is like crazy expansion because I was living life so small and I was like the coupon cutting, like wouldn't buy anything ever at full price person was always cutting corners. And I have learned to actually spend more in order to make more because as I have been able to allow myself to spend more and like start to expand in that way it's given me a sense of value and it it's it's increased my my self-worth and my self-esteem and it it makes me feel different when I show up in the world and I never would have believed you you know, 10 years ago, if someone had told me this, I'd be like, that's bullshit. Like, I'm going to keep going to Ross Dress for Less and like buy everything that I own. I, and I love the discount stores. Don't get me wrong. I still like love a good deal. Um, but um, really upgrading my money mindset has meant spending more on higher quality items. And again, this is over time. This isn't like I just get rid of all my cheap shit and then replace it with a bunch of expensive shit. Like, it's like, no, 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 because my brain like could not handle that. I was so in that belief that like that, like I remember that time I up, the, there's this lamp on my desk. <laughs> this is like one of the first things that I upgraded. I had this crappy lamp for so long. And I was just, I, I remember when I was work, and again, you're always working on your money mindset. But when I was like first working on, I'm like, I don't like this lamp. It like, it's kind of like dirty. It's old. I, I think I want to get a new one. And then I went into, um, Pier One. Pier One was like this store that was just like so out of reach for me. You know, I was just like, I can't buy stuff at Pier One. Like that's, that's just, that's for fancy people. And I'm like, I'm going to let myself go into Pier One. And I went into Pier One and like, I wound up getting this adorable um, lamp. It's like this crack gold, like this little desk lamp. And I freaking love it. And I bought it. And it like, every time I look at this lamp, like I feel so abundant. There's something about um, having beautiful things around you, it matters. And it's really easy, especially um, if you get into this, like a, a weird version of the spiritual mindset that says like, oh, beauty is not important. No, yeah. beauty can, beauty is important. And beauty is a core value for many people, myself included. Like I, I need to be surrounded, like in an environment that feels 
beautiful. And that doesn't necessarily mean like super expensive. It has to be beautiful to me. It has to mean something to me. It doesn't have to mean anything to anybody else. Someone else could walk in here and be like, I hate this environment. I'm like, as long as I walk in and I feel, I feel nurtured and I feel abundant and I feel a sense of, a sense of luxury, which I never would have even, those words would never have even come out of my mouth, you know, a decade ago. Um, but I, as I have upgraded things in my environment, like again, that, that upgrades how I feel about myself. And when I upgrade how I feel about myself, I walk differently in the world. I wear different clothes in the world. I have different conversations with different people. I feel more worthy of talking to quote unquote fancy people. When I meet them, I feel more worthy of like going into a, a, a networking event or even a store that I never would have gone into before because I know that I belong. I belong wherever I say I belong. I belong everywhere and I belong wherever I say I belong or wherever I feel like I belong. That's always up to me. Um, so being able to shift that for me has been absolutely life-changing. Because like you said, I just wanted to point that out. None of that had to do like, okay, I feel more worthy in a sense of belonging and I'll go wherever I want once I hit this income target. Like take the action to gain the confidence. Yes, it has an effect. And if it feels massively uncomfortable, do it anyway. Yes. (laughs) And it's all about like, what I always say is that like, you've got that 71 degree set point, push it up to 75 don't, don't go much past 75 because that's when it's like you, you, again, you freak yourself out. You go a little bit too far, push it up to 75. Like, what does that look like for you? Does that mean like going in the fancy store that you, that you don't let yourself go in? Does that mean trying on a pair of full priced anthropology pants, even though you know, you're not going to buy them, you know, just to like get that feeling to start like letting yourself gently lean in the direction of something a little bit more luxurious. And I also love this one practical example you said before, use the biggest bathroom stall, right? Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorites. (laughs) Yes, use the biggest bathroom stall. Um, What are the odds that, you know, somebody's gonna come in there and actually need the big bathroom stall? But it's like, we don't take it because it's like, oh, like I, you know, I should take the small one. And it's always like, you know, when we're offered something, especially as women, we have a tendency to, to either push it away and say, no, thank you or to, to take the smallest or the, the least amount of whatever it is that we're being offered. I, I think I, I may have used this example with you, I'm not sure, when I went into Trader Joe's not that long ago and they were giving out chocolate peanut butter cup samples, one of my practices is just to say yes. So anytime I'm offered something, um, unless there's like a, you know, a hardcore reason for me to say no, I will say yes. Open door, yes. You wanna help me with my groceries? Yes. You wanna carry something up the steps for me? Yes, thank you. You want to get get this box of books for me and carry them inside for me? Yes, thank you. Um, rather than saying like, oh no, I got that. I can do it myself. Thanks. Um, so I went into Trader Joe's, um, I don't know, a month or so ago, and there was a lady giving out these chocolate, dark chocolate um, peanut butter cup samples. And she just had a whole bunch of them on her table. And old me wouldn't have taken any. New me would just goes by and takes one now me goes by, takes one and says, Hey, can I have a couple more? And she says, Oh yeah, of course. And then I take a handful. Oh, my God. <laughs> whenever that happens, then of course I ask myself, Oh my God, where else am I only allowing myself to take one? Exactly. 
like say that someone is really feeling like powerless and a little bit nervous and freaked out about their money situation. What is one safe and easy way for them to like move a little bit closer to something that feels a bit safer and more abundant? Hmm. Well, I think just, just what we've been talking about, like start, start saying yes, like notice where, um, the universe is actually giving you things um, mm-hmm. because we're oftentimes just so blind to it and we're so used to saying no that we don't even see the ways that like stuff is being given to us, whether it's a compliment or a chocolate peanut butter cup or an open door. So just start noticing those things. Um, and then, you know, just start putting yourself in environments um, I think this is a, a a good a good practice that feel that feels a little bit edgy and un- uncomfortable. Whether that's going into a store that you don't normally go into, or going into like driving through a neighborhood that's like a fancy neighborhood. I love you know? that one. Yeah, um, maybe like going to an open house of like you know a house that you don't think you can afford, and just like being you don't have to do anything just like be in the space and feel into the energy it's almost like rehearsing for a role like actors exactly 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 and you're priming your brain and all you want to do is keep priming your brain so that these experiences and these little luxuries start to feel normal whoa keyword feel like you're 71 degrees because ultimately when you're at whatever the place that you're aiming to get at your big vision you want that to feel just like you feel right now in your current circumstances you want it to feel normal like this is just your day-to-day like yeah i just i i you know have this amount of clients i drive this car i live in this neighborhood and that's just normal for me that's not something that's like way out far beyond my you know, current comprehension of what's possible for me. Again, because that's going to freak you out. But it's like, no, this is just normal. This is the new normal. I am yeah. so glad we managed to squeeze that in there because that one is so <laughs> important. It's the most important thing. Thank you so much. It's been really interesting and inspiring. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation. It's, it's such an, a juicy one and an important one. So thank you for having me.